want to take a few moments to tell you about a fantastic service called Fiverr. That's F-I-V-E-R-R. Fiverr is an online marketplace where you can find the perfect freelance services for your business. Logo design, website customization, voiceovers, social media outreach, illustration, translation, data entry, book cover design, the list goes on and on. Enjoy the best for any budget. Quality work done quickly. Protected payments every time and 24-7 support. Click the Fiverr affiliate link in the show notes and any purchase you make directly benefits this podcast. Fiverr, it starts here. By the Fire Podcast presents The Heart Speaks. Written and performed by Dave Smale. Chapter 34 Coming Clean. Three days passed. Besides the revival, Tyrone buried himself in job hunting, not having the wherewithal to continue his investigation. The job search had been fruitless, however. Noting his depression, Keisha mostly avoided him. She hadn't even questioned him about his interview. Besides today's church service, Tyrone hadn't left the house. Even at church, a place he was normally happy to be, he was distant. He avoided conversation, making for the car immediately after Turner dismissed the services and waiting for Keisha to get through talking to various ladies. Finding out that at least one of Jella's organs had been removed had a profound effect on him. Prior to finding out, he'd considered how he might feel if the result yielded either option. If her organs remained intact, no problem. If they'd been taken... He imagined he'd be comforted in knowing that his little girl's death was potentially bringing life to others. He hadn't expected to feel like this. Perhaps it was the fishy manner in which his quote-unquote permission had been given. Or maybe it was that his memory had lapsed and he couldn't recall whether he'd checked one box or the other. Whatever the case, the information had effectively reopened the wound the initial news of her death had brought. In his vexation, Tyrone hadn't noticed Detective Channing sitting just a few rows away. Nor could he have told anyone what the sermon was about that day. He sat in the truck waiting for Keisha. After nearly 20 minutes of chatting, she finally came out of the building. Sorry, she said, getting in the passenger seat. We had a meeting about the children's church ministry. He didn't reply started the engine, and reached for the gear shift. Ty, wait, Keisha said. He dropped his hand, looked down and sighed, as if he were a child waiting for a parent to be through scolding him. I don't know what's going on with you, but you got me worried, she said. No reply. Ever since you went to that interview, you've just been, I don't know, discouraged? Is it the job situation? 
because you haven't found one yet? She asked. He looked out the window. Is it because you think I'm going to get mad and throw something at you if you take that one job? Keisha asked. Again, he said nothing. That's it, huh? She said. It's your crazy wife holding you back. He looked down at his lap again. Look, I've been trying. Her voice cracked. She took a breath and began again. I've really been trying, okay? I've been praying. God's been helping me with my temper. I won't get mad at you if you take that one job. The trafficking one. You know that. I said that. So that's not fair, Ty. Ain't that, he finally said. She wiped a tear from her eye and took a breath. Ain't that. Okay. So what is it? Tell me. Don't keep me in the dark. Is it me? You ain't find me attractive no more? We don't have enough sex? Is there someone else? He grimaced and looked at her. What? No. Then what? She asked, exasperated. He sighed reservedly. Tyrone knew it was coming. A time he could no longer keep the secret. He just hadn't realized it would be so soon. At this point, he'd either have to deal with Keisha's wrath for what he'd done behind her back or for not telling her. What he couldn't do was act like nothing had happened. He opened his mouth to let it all out, but was interrupted before his first word. Someone was knocking on his window. He turned. It was Channing. Tyrone rolled down his window. Hey, Bowman. Mrs. Bowman, Channing said. Hi, Keisha answered first. Hey, what's up? Tyrone asked. Um, can I talk to you? Like now? Actually, I need to talk to both of you. You guys want to grab some lunch? Channing asked. Tyrone looked back at Keisha, who shrugged, then nodded. Yeah, sure, Tyrone said. Any place you want, it's on me. You ain't got to do that, but I appreciate it, Tyrone said, turning to Keisha. Anywhere you want to go? She shook her head. Channing suggested a place called Waterman's Surfside Grill. Tyrone recognized it as an expensive seafood restaurant on the oceanfront. Hopefully Channing would still be paying. On the way, Tyrone unleashed the whole story about his investigation to an astonished Keisha. Before they pulled into Waterman's, he said, So if you gonna be mad at me, I understand. I just, I felt like it was from God, you know? Like he wanted me to look into it. But now, now I just don't want to keep going. So I was stuck. Felt like I couldn't tell you, but also felt like I was disobeying God if I don't keep looking into it. Keisha was silent. It's like, I didn't expect to find what I found, you know? I mean, this whole thing about her organs being donated. And I'm pretty sure I checked no on that paper. I don't know. But I got a bad feeling about this. Like, if I keep looking, I'm going to find out even more bad stuff. He said. I'm sorry, she finally said as they parked. He looked at her. Nah, you ain't got to be sorry for nothing. I'm sorry, baby. I should have just told you. You knew something was wrong before I even went to that stupid interview. He shut the engine off, reached over and clasped her hand. Then he leaned over and kissed her. So what you think the guy wants to talk to us about? What's his name again? 
Keisha asked. Oh, Channing? I don't know. Maybe now that he's a Christian, he feels bad for how he treated me all those years. Wants to apologize, answered Tyrone. But he said he wants to talk to both of us. Tyrone shrugged. Guess we gonna find out. Channing, that's his first name? She asked. Nah, not sure what his first name is. <laughs> you cops are funny, she quipped. Waterman's was quaint yet elegant. As if a lighthouse had been transformed into an upscale steak and lobster restaurant while keeping the laid-back surfer bar and grill vibe. The dining area had a full view of the boardwalk and the Atlantic Ocean. There was a souvenir shop full of Virginia Beach trinkets. The place was packed with restaurant goers, or, more precisely, people waiting to be restaurant goers. Tyrone heard the hostess tell the party in front of them that it would be at least a 20-minute wait. He looked around and didn't see Channing waiting anywhere. Had the man not arrived yet? Or stood them up? How many in your party? The bright-eyed hostess asked. Three, Tyrone said. But I'm not sure if our name is already put in. What's the name? She asked. Realizing he didn't know Channing's first name, Tyrone said his last. The hostess checked the book, then said, Right this way. She led them to a table in a particularly dark section of the restaurant in comparison to the rest. Channing sat waiting for them. The hostess seated them, handed them menus, and mentioned the house and drink specials. Nice place, Tyrone said. I know, Channing said. One of my favorites. Thanks for inviting us, Keisha said. By the way, this is my wife Keisha, Tyrone said. Channing reached out his hand. Colton, he said. Oh, so you do have a first name, Keisha joked. I thought y'all gave those up when you became police officers. We did, Channing said. It's like the military, but I'm done with all that now, so I'm Colton again. Tyrone stared at him, perplexed. You went with VBPD anymore? Channing shook his head. No, that's part of the reason I wanted to talk to you guys. Tyrone and Keisha looked at each other, then back at Channing. See, I... I don't know how to explain what's happened to me. He was cut off when their waiter came asking for their drink orders. The Bowmans both tried ordering water, but Channing insisted they order something they actually wanted. They chose unsweet tea. Channing also insisted on the appetizer of their choosing. Look, Tyrone said, I appreciate it, but I told you I got this, Channing said. They ordered the calamari. Anyway, I'm not sure what's happened to me except that... I don't know. I mean, I do know. Channing stumbled over his words, then chuckled. What I mean to say is, I know that God is real. He's forgiven me. Ever since you prayed with me, Bowman, I... Channing's eyes filled with tears. I'm sorry, he said. Don't be. It's all right. Take your time, said Keisha. Tyrone smiled at her. It's like... I've never felt so good, then so bad at the same time, Channing said. When we prayed, it felt like a thousand-pound weight got lifted off my shoulders. Tyrone and Keisha both nodded. They'd experienced something similar when they'd accepted Jesus as their Savior. But then when I saw you, I panicked, Channing said. Why? 
asked Tyrone, recalling that Channing had dashed from the tent upon seeing him. I'm getting to that. Just bear with me. In that moment, at the revival, I knew a whole bunch of things at once. I knew that God had forgiven my sins, that I couldn't keep being a cop, and that I had to come clean. Tyrone's eyebrows furrowed. I'm not supposed to do this, but I think it's clear. I should obey God rather than men. He's directing me. I need to tell you both the real deal about your daughter's case. Thanks for listening to The Heart Speaks. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'll be back next week with another chapter. Until then, God bless and thank you. This is a work of fiction. Names, characters, businesses, places, events, and incidents are either the products of the author's imagination or used in a fictitious manner. Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, or actual events is purely coincidental.